What we do here is go back, 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 back. Okay, this podcast is delicious. That's what you're tuned into, whether you whether you wanted to or not. You're here now. It's uh, isn't that uh, extortion or exploitation of some kind? That's not the way to start a podcast. Welcome to this podcast is delicious. Uh, Marco bringing you in in a, in a strange way, a little bit of a hostage situation vibe. Whether you want to be here or not, you're here, you can't yeah. leave type of vibes. I'm going to say, you know what? Welcome. We open our doors to you. We open our hearts to you. And uh, and, and and hopefully uh, you'll open our your minds and appetites to, uh, to what we're going to talk about today. We're doing mimosas and omelets. Uh, two things that seem very simple, little bit comp you know there are there's much to consider in both those worlds most definitely you know you think omelets you think mimosas first thing that comes to mind brunch right you think brunch you think uh entitlement you think white yes. supremacy you think colonial I, I don't know about that <laughs> though i will say i, I, I did Just... text i did text ali when we were discussing this last night i i meant to say Egg white omelets. We should also mention that. And I texted him, "Whites only omelets." I don't know why, but that's what. <laughs> that's why I I'm making him. jokes about white supremacy because that's still on my mind. Whites only omelets. Like, where have you been dining? I know you've been to some pretty southern U.S. states, but come on, buddy. Oh, where I don't think there'd be a more horrible omelet than a whites only omelets because it'd have no spice, it'd have no mm -hmm. flavor. It would just leave a sour taste in your mouth, much like the people who would probably enjoy consuming it. You know what? I'll be honest with you. If 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 it was going to be on brand for a whites-only omelet, it would probably be something with uh, Mexican and African-American flavors in it because that's what the whites-only do. Like, we don't need you. We don't need this. Right. And yet, we will take your cuisine and yeah. we will take your spice and we will, you know? Mm -hmm. gone, we've gone down quite the rabbit hole early oh, yeah. on here. <laughs> okay, let's push all that aside because it's not a political, uh, political it's show not, necessarily. It's not necessarily. Okay, so can I start with the mimosa? I wish you would. All right, all right. So let me start by saying this. I'm not a big fan of the mimosa, oh, but my I'm, I'm going to tell you how to make some great mimosa or mimosa-like cocktails, all right? Ali, where do you sit on the mimosa fence? I mean, here's the problem. Yeah, I, I was. I'm surprised that you're coming along uh, on on my side of the fence. I don't enjoy champagne. Right. I, I you know, it, it's it's just this thing. What happened was, you know, and it's not champagne's fault. Can't blame champagne for this one. It's champagne, the French. You don't like no, the French, right? No, it's my uh, it's my binge drinking on New Year's Eve for oh. many many years in a row. So you know. Young, foolish, start sure. drinking early yeah. by 5 p.m. You're already doing shots of God knows what. And, right. Oh, peach snaps, tequila, blah, blah. And then around midnight, this fizzy, classy beverage shows up. Right. And that fizz, uh, for I'm going to say four out of seven years, you know, out of seven years in a row, four out of those seven, those bubbles activated something inside me okay and always resulted in me throwing up on new year's eve almost always for, yeah. for quite a while there and um then and no I one wants to barf fizz barfing up fizz no, is the fact, worst that's and that's your last memory right yeah. that's your most recent memory when you're barfing you're like oh the damn champagne right now i blame champagne but of course 
uh, should have blamed the multitude of shots and other things I'd been doing beforehand. Sure. Um, and then I try champagne on its own, right? I grow up. I go, okay, time to try this on its own. Have it. Don't like it that much. Would rather have a Prosecco any day okay. than champagne. I find champagne uh, kind of blend. <clears throat> what I do love. I'll tell you what I do love. Yeah. Freshly squeezed orange juice. Okay. One of my favorite things to drink in the world. So now you're taking something I love and you're mixing it with something I don't really care for. Right. And you're turning the thing I love into something less good. That's always my thing. Also, a little story about mimosas. My father uh, was known as the Samosa Man for many okay. years. He taught at a college called Dawson College in in Montreal, and he would be the guy uh, who would bring samosas to every Dawson College potluck or fundraiser, whatever dinner. So they would greet him like, "Hey, Samosa Man is here! Farouk, right. the Samosa Man is here!" So I started doing something similar. I'm like, maybe I'll start, you know, making samosas. Um, but you know, in the '90s, there was still a lot of uh, ignorance around food of different cultures in Quebec. Of course, there still is in certain sure. circles. But back then, really, the introduction hadn't been made in the same way to, uh, to 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 cultural foods. And so I would bring samosas and people would be like, oh, Ali, you brought mimosas. And I'd be like, I don't know who's getting insulted worse here. The most the mimosa or this to call a mimosa a fried dough, right? Uh, a fried uh, dough with potatoes in it is really an insult to the mimosas but also to to take this like delicious indian street food snack sure and try to turn it into this snooty beverage uh you know the samosa loses and then of course i lose because people think that i brought a champagne orange cocktail to the party those who know hear that and then i have to disappoint them by going no no this is a grease laden box of uh, of grease balls i have some grease balls i'm sorry i don't have that light airy expensive thing that you hope so it was a mimosas was like a word that um you know was pretty loaded and uh, and not for good reasons but i'm excited to hear you say mimosa like beverages today so let's see what else you got okay so first of all to a mimosa to me has always tasted like the orange juice has gone off like the orange juice is bad it now has that fizz you shouldn't be drinking it that has been my mimosa experience I, like you, not a fan of champagne or sparkling wine, so I'll go further. Not a fan of Prosecco, Spumanti, any of that, personally. Uh, but I, I do I do see how useful it is in cocktails. This is not a cocktail for me. But I think there's a reason for that, and I think I'm going to correct it for a lot of people. So if you're on that same sort of fence where it's like, I don't like the taste of it because it feels like the orange juice has gone off, or if you're someone who loves mimosas and it's like, it's the perfect thing to have before you have a beautiful brunch. It's a great celebration drink. It looks beautiful in a glass. I, I'm with you. I understand that. And I'm going to give you some tips on that as well. And for those of you who are listening who are like, what is a mimosa? I'd never order it. I've heard it. I've never seen it. I don't know what it, what it is. It is a cocktail that is composed of champagne and orange juice. Now, it's served in the tall champagne flute, so the long uh, glass that you have champagne in, not the coupe glass that looks like uh, like a hand, like a cupped hand. Mm. Um, and you, you primarily see mimosas at brunch, weddings, in the first class service on some, you know, airlines. You'll get served a mimosa 
or you know other travel that's kind of first class. So that's where that snootiness comes in that that Ali was talking sure. about. Yeah, and I'm sure I would enjoy it very much if I was sitting in you know British Airways first class, um, getting my feet massaged and my fingernails manicured. And having a mimosa. Is that what happens in first class? I'm not familiar with what To be happens. truthful, that's the that's the best I've ever tasted a mimosa was in a British Airways first class flight. <laughs> um, and I recommend it. If you can, that's the best place to have a mimosa. You'll, you'll change your opinion on it if you're having it there. But the cocktail is named after the mimosa plant, the yellow flowered mimosa plant. No kidding. Um, yeah, even though mimosa means a butterfly in Spanish, uh, there's a plant called the mimosa as well. The acacia. Della Bata plant is its uh, original name or its Latin name. And uh, it originates, the drink originates from the eastern part of Spain. So picture Valencia, Catalonia, you know, where you find cava, where you find uh, Spanish oranges. Those two, that that area is where this was born, right? Mm -hmm. And so a classic mimosa is half and half. So 50% champagne, 50% orange juice, right? But now that's kind of changed a bit. Now you're getting more uh, champagne or Prosecco and less orange juice. You do it to taste. So really, if you're making mimosas at home, you're going to make them to the taste that that you like. Now, I'm going to say this. Here are some mimosa mistakes. And I think this is where people like myself and perhaps yourself aren't big fans of mimosa. When you don't use fresh squeezed orange juice, I think that's where it tastes like the orange juice has gone off. So the key here is if you're making mimosas at home, grab some oranges, squeeze the oranges, fresh juice, drain the pulp. It's going to make a world of difference for your mimosa, especially if you're having people come over. And I'm going to say this. You don't have to spend good money on expensive champagne when a Prosecco will do in a mimosa. And for some people like yourself, who you've already stated that you prefer Prosecco to champagne, that's the direction you need to go. Prosecco or a sparkling cava or or a sparkling uh, Spanish wine and uh, orange juice is where you need to be, all right? Yes. The other thing is you don't want to be stirring this drink. You know how a lot of the cocktails that I've made here on the show, I've stirred or I've shaken? No, this is not a drink you want to do that because if you stir the drink to to incorporate the, the champagne with the orange juice. You you're, flatten the fizz. Probably. Exactly. You're stirring yeah. out the bubbles. You're defeating the purpose. So what you're going to do is you're going to put the, you're going to put the orange juice in the glass first, and then you're going to pour the champagne in it. So it oh, incorporates as you do it, right? So you're going to use real orange juice. And you're going to use, uh, you're going to, you're not going to stir it. Those are two things I'm going to say. Now, some people will add an orange liqueur to the uh, to the cocktail, right? So, picture Cointreau or perhaps uh, Grand Marnier or Triple Sec. Mm. They'll add a little bit of that. You add that at the end, so it kind of floats on the top. Now, for okay. me, I would say, if you want to make it really special. Put it together, like I said, but as opposed to using orange liqueur, use Galliano. Float it on top. Just a little bit of that Galliano, which is that orange liquor that comes in a, a long bottle that tapers wide at the end. That's a, a vanilla-flavored liqueur. You put a little bit of that, and we call and when we say float it, when you put it on the top, it should just it should just sit on the top. So your first scent, your first little sip is gonna have that Galliano flavor to it. And I think that's a great mimosa. All okay. right. So so that's the classic mimosa. 
There is a drink called the Bucks Fizz, which is two parts sparkling wine and champagne, or, or champagne rather, sorry, to one part orange juice. Similar to the mimosa, but more more alcohol to to orange juice. Now this is from London, the London Buck Club, and was first made the Buck Fizz in 1921. In fact, a lot of the mimosas that we are currently drinking have the Buck's Fizz ratio. So, so those are the two that are like basically kissing cousins when it comes to mimosas. How you doing? Great reference. Great reference. Just thinking about kissing a cousin. But uh, besides that, besides don't give me don't give me a you could do worse, please. Uh, The cousin that I just pictured, I shouldn't be kissing. Anyway, uh, that's great. I love the name Buck Fizz. Yeah, it's a great. Just really like it feels like something fun to order and hopefully to drink as well. Yeah, have a Buck Fizz. Now let's say the mimosa is not your game. I don't like orange juice. I don't like champagne. Together, it's my nightmare. All right, let me give you some mimosa alternatives. So if orange juice isn't your game, game, there's the poinsettia cocktail, which is a mixture of champagne, Cointreau or triple sec, and cranberry juice. Clearly gets its name from the redness of the cranberry juice. It's often you know, associated with Christmas time because poinsettia, but it's a perfectly wonderful beverage. If you're more of a cranberry juice, you like that tartness versus that sweetness in your, in your drink. A fantastic drink to have before your brunch or before your omelet. There's the Lamosa, made with lemonade and champagne. Oh, never heard of that. Put a little bit of blueberry syrup on top of that for color. That's your Lamosa. Wonderful drink. The Vermosa. Vermouth. Apple cider with champagne. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. All right. Where does it get its name, you might wonder? Because you yeah, were thinking ver- vermouth, right? Vermouth, and yeah. that's not that's not a bad way to think, but wrong in this case. It comes from the name of the state Vermont, where a lot of apple cider is made, right? Okay. If you mm-hmm. use if you use brandy or apple brandy, it becomes called it, it's called an apple crisp. So apple brandy and champagne. There you go. The flirtini is pineapple juice with sparkling wine. You want to make that a little bit more flirtatious? Add a little bit of vodka. Add an ounce of vodka in that. Stop it. Then we have the Megamosa. Equal parts champagne and grapefruit. For me, that's the that's a cocktail I would want with with brunch. Is the I like grapefruit mm. with with champagne. For me, that's where you're gonna go. And of course, if you add peach juice to champagne, Ali, what do you have? Peachosa. Uh, Momos each? <laughs> no, no. It's the Bellini, the classic Bellini. Two ounces of pear, peach puree, four ounces of Prosecco, a slice of peach for gar- garnish. And there you go. Now, my last version of a mimosa for, for our listeners. Let's say all these juices are just too strong in flavor. You want something more subtle. You want something more delicate. You've got a delicate palate like Ali has. What are you going to mm-hmm. drink? It's brunch. You take Saint-Germain, the Saint-Germain cocktail, and you're going to have the flavor of elderflowers with your sparkling wine. So two ounces of Saint-Germain, three ounces of champagne, lemon peel for garnish. If you have a strawberry, slice it in half, put it on the top for bellezza, and off you go. So those are some 
versions of mimosa so that you're not stuck thinking all I can possibly drink here at brunch with my friends is orange and champagne. You can just say, I want cranberry and champagne. I want pomegranate and champagne. I want pineapple and champagne. You make me a different version of it. And there you go. You can enjoy the same type of beverage or the same family of beverage with your friends at brunch or in for first class. new listeners to our show, remind people what the Belletza is. What does that mean? Just Belletza's, for show? For, it's for, Italian for, for beauty. For beauty. For, for beauty. Yeah, for beauty. Okay, right, right. A couple of comments. Number one, it's interesting. Grapefruit. I would go with grapefruit, and I think grapefruit would work well because, especially for those people who are like, it tastes like orange juice that's gone off. Yeah. Well, grapefruit is like orange juice that went off on steroids somehow, you know, right. you can, you can visualize how, Oh God, if you thought you were drinking orange juice and you had grapefruit juice, but when you're prepared for grapefruit juice and you love it, I'm a huge fan, whether it's sweet or like super tart, sure. big fan. And I think, yeah, champagne could really light that up. Is there, it feels like all these fruit juices and syrups go with champagne. You mentioned vodka, you mentioned brandy. There's all these boozes that go with champagne. Is there anything off the top of your head, that would not be a good mix with champagne? Or is champagne really everybody's um, chameleon best friend? Just, you know, comes in and weaves its way into everything. You know, I would probably say stay away from, like, heavy juices or juices that are just going to overpower champagne or, like, like a grape juice I wouldn't necessarily put with champagne. I don't think that's going to work. Or a mm. blackberry juice or a verbena. I think that's too hard. You would have to lighten that up. So if you're going to use a syrup, like a blueberry syrup, that will work. But blueberry juice and, and uh, champagne, I don't think it's going to work. Blueberry juice is just too too harsh, right? And then you're getting you're kind of getting into that wine family, right? You wouldn't necessarily do okay. I'm going to do some a Shiraz and then put put champagne in it. At least I wouldn't. I don't know if there's a cocktail that that does that. I think I think the what you want is the effervescence and that delicate sparkling wine flavor to infuse with the fruit juice and keep it light, keep it floral, keep it citrusy, because that's what's going to go with your brunches and whatnot. Anything else that's a little bit too heavy there, I think I think, I think, think it's not going to work, personally. I hear you. I like what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Okay. So well, that's, stuff, that's my take on mimosas, my friend. Uh, I pass it over to you for its beautiful compliment, which is the omelet. The omelet. Now, the omelet is interesting. And, you know, I jokingly talked about like colonialism and all that, but there is something that I feel, you know, because uh, I'm sure you've heard this before where, where chefs would be like, you know, when we're auditioning uh, or interviewing a new chef to a restaurant, we say, make an omelet. Right. Right. Because it's easy to make, but it can easily go wrong as well. And, and, and that suggests there's one way to make an omelet. But if you had like somebody who's Thai or some East Asian background or somebody who's South Asian or somebody who's Mexican come in, sure, there isn't one type of omelet. And I think the French should be reminded of that. Oh, wow. We're really, we're really bashing the French. And I have no problem doing that as an Italian. Well, we just celebrated them with their champagne. Sure. So why sure. not offset that yeah. with a little bit of like, just remember... Not all omelets are created equal. Maybe from border to border, you feel they are. But man, let me tell you something. The first time I had a French omelet, I could not have been more bored with that. Yep. 
I could not have found that more boring. Why? Because I grew up on the masala omelet. I grew up on what we call the desi omelet. Des meaning from the des, the motherland, South South Indian, uh, you know, continent. And this is an omelet that you know you're browning onions, not just sautéing them in gold. You're browning them on the verge of being black. Sometimes they're adding garlic. They're often adding um, minced green chilies. They're adding cumin, often turmeric. And sometimes tomatoes in there. And it's like incredibly flavorful. It's crispy. It's cooked on a high heat. And it really has nothing to do with a French omelet with salt, butter, and chives. Yeah, we should explain that. Like the classic omelet is plain, simple, some might say boring, right? The classic classic French omelet. Now, I'll tell you this, though. I've come to appreciate the French omelet. Sure. The omelet I really don't like Uh-oh. is the omelet I find in most restaurants these days, which is fluffy and thick. I don't. I want a nice thin omelet. Yeah. I want one egg or two. Why are you whisking three eggs for one person? It's obscene. This, it's obscene. It's obscene. And it's massive, and it's the size of a cake. It's the size of a small cake as far as thickness goes. There's a two-inch thick omelet that arrives. I don't want that. That's, That's not-, not an omelet. That's if you want to make me a frittata, I will eat a frittata. Okay, right? a frittata is its thing. If you want to make me scrambled eggs, you make me scrambled eggs, but don't don't make me a frittata and call it an omelet. Yeah, because I'm not an asshole. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> well, I know the difference. I know the difference. That's up for debate, and 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 whether you are or not has nothing to do with your preference of omelets. I don't think, but. I do feel like, you know, you, you've hit something on the head. Like, understand that there are different, there are tortillas, there yes. are frittatas, there are yes. quiches. And when you give me an omelet, the thickness of a quiche, yeah. I'm not interested in that. So so I went back and appreciated that so-called dull French omelet. I can still add my own chili flakes. I can have something on the side, like a uh, a cherry tomato salad that has some tang and some basil in it. And that's a beautiful compliment to a, a kind of like a plain, simple omelet. Or what I would do is I would add a lot of herbs. Anytime I have basil and chives and cilantro and parsley in the house, I start thinking this would make a great green omelet. And if you've ever seen a Persian omelets, yes, filled with herbs, more green than yellow, and uh, you know sometimes a, a type of cheese like a feta cheese in it. My God! So I just want people's heads to. I want people's minds to open up to the idea that not all omelets are created equal. Yes, sure. there's a French omelet. There's a place for it. The restaurant omelet generally, I mean, not just not for me, just not for me. So I want to tell you uh, about two different types of omelets Love out it. there that are fantastic. And then I want to tell you about a third idea I have for an omelet that I've, I've made it a few times and I really like it and I don't see it anywhere. It's not something that's, you know, sort of well publicized. It was just out of necessity. I made it. Family secrets revealed, my friends. <laughs> Grab yourself a paper and a pen. Ali's going to release some insider secrets on his special omelet. So that's coming right up, folks. I will say that there is a place for that dull French omelet. If you want to taste the standard and if you want the chives and the salt and the eggs to do all the talking. So yes. for some people, that's just like, all well right, said. you because when you have something as simple as the French classic omelet, there's no way to hide any mistakes. There's no way to hide anything because it's like three, four simple ingredients. You better do it right. Otherwise, it's a shambles. All right. 
Let's get into your omelets, my friend. Let's get in. Right on. So I like making an Indian omelet um, in in a similar way to the way I would make like an Indian uh, stir fry or an Indian curry. I like putting some oil, medium, medium, high heat into a pan and then starting to fry the ingredients, getting onions in there and browning them. Right. So classically, people in the omelet, all the ingredients are added to the egg mixture. Right. And then everything goes in. Mm-hmm. But if I, I really like stuff hitting that pan. So onions, uh, crushed, you know, lightly crushed cumin seeds, chili flakes. I really like that stuff in the pan. If you're going to use turmeric, if you're going to use garlic. Sure. They benefit from a little bit of heat and sautéing in an oil. Turmeric otherwise tastes very raw if it's just mixed into an egg mixture. It's called blossoming, right? You're blossoming those spices. You're blossoming, yes. Indians don't have that word, but that's exactly what you're doing. And I like the same thing with chilies. Chilies get lit up. Yeah. That flavor really gets enhanced when it hits the heat in a way that it wouldn't if it was just mixed in with the egg and cooked that way. So that's one of my favorite ways to make like a masala omelet. I would say very simple. Brown some onions. Add some cumin, add some uh, chili flakes. Your egg mixture can be, and again, not too many eggs. Like if you have just a small eight-inch pan, two eggs. For me, a nice thinner omelet is great. Um, Cilantro is almost always in there. Yes. And I I put the greens of green onions in there. Yes. And uh, and salt, and that's mixed up and added to that. And that's like a very simple masala omelet. As I suggested, turmeric's an option. Uh, plum tomatoes are an option. Um, garam masala, an option. You can do a lot of different things. Um, but that's my thing. And often... I make this variety of different, you know, hot sauces. So I have pepper sauce made with uh, yes, with, with fresh chilies. I'll add an eighth or a quarter of a teaspoon into the egg. Oh, mixture so you'll cook the hot sauce. You won't you won't necessarily put it as as a, as a, a side or an adjunct to the omelet. You're putting it right in there. I'm putting it right oh, in that's, there. Oh, that's that's bold, my to, friend. Uh, I want people to live life to their fullest. I need to uh, back you up because you do uh, what my mother does. That drives me up the wall, man. Oh yeah, <sighs> which mm-hmm. is. I get a recipe from my mother and she just assumes that I'm going to know which ingredient I should be using. Cause you're like, just put some oil in there. I don't want to just put some oil. What oil are you using? Okay. I'm sure our listeners are like, where do I start? He just says, put some oil. What does that mean? What is the oil? If you're making me this omelet, what oil are you using? My friend, I'm going to say vegetable oil okay, or a grapeseed oil. Okay. okay? Thank you. Uh, not I would use olive and not and olive. I, yeah. See, well, see? because you want to brown onions, okay. you risk having that, uh, that, that, um, uh, oil smoke a little bit too much. Right. Okay. So this right? is important so, information yeah. that you and my mother choose not to tell me <laughs> so that I don't get a perfect dish the way you make it. So everybody's I like, apologize. it's not as good as Ali's. It's okay, but it's not as good as Ali's. Yeah, we got to keep something to ourselves. Okay. You know, we can't be telling you everything. Um, but yeah, it's, this is a spicy, slightly browner omelet on the outside, right? It's definitely cooked through, um, the way my father would make it, you brown one side of the omelet then, uh, and, and also you gotta be, yeah, you really have to be, um, what's the word like pulling and pushing the eggs around so that they cook almost to like 90%. Do you know what I mean? You can't just sort of hope that it cooks through right that you can do with like you know scrambled eggs things, but with the, like yeah 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 but okay so you so what you're saying is the, around the elegance of an omelet is how you thrash it about in the pan you're not delicate not with the omelet you're, you're I, not delicate when you're that. making it okay 
No, I wouldn't say that. I would say from the edges, you push the egg in okay. and you let the space that just got created from where you emptied it into the center of the pan, you let that fill up with more egg. And you do that a few times in different areas I of see. it so that it's starting to cook. Then the way my father would do it, you slide that 90% cooked pan into a plate Right, especially if it's a big one. If it can flip easily, great, just flip it. But he would slide it into a plate, uh, cook side down, and then flip it back oh, into the pan. You're flipping after? You're not flipping in the pan, you're flipping it on the plate? You're flipping it. You're, no, you're sliding it into the plate okay. and then flip. So you, the way you slide it into the plate, the uncooked part or the yeah. not fully cooked, the 90% yeah. cooked, uh, you know, Interior. not fully cooked part is the, in, the, no, no, the exposed part. Yeah. The, the part. Which the, will the, become the interior. Part, yeah. Is, is, exactly, is on the top as yeah. it slides into a plate. And then you're putting the top onto the bottom oh, okay. by flipping that, uh, that plate into the pan. And then it's basically done within seconds. And then he would cut it into like triangular squares. And then it's great to eat with like roti or paratha or like put it into sandwiches. Very, very sandwich friendly way of, uh, of, of making it. Like great sandwiches after the fact. Great to put in wraps. Oh. Yeah, I, so I that's need to, the omelet I grew up. I with. need to highlight something that you're just for you. It's like commonplace, but for the rest of us, it's kind of mind blowing. Is that you're folding the omelet not in the pan, but on the plate when you when you've slid it onto the plate, you then do the fold. A lot of people are doing this. No fold, no fold, my. Friend. You're not folding it over. No fold. Think what of a pancake. Think of a pancake. Okay. Okay. So you. Yeah. You, oh, so you just slide it. You slide it flat into a plan into a pan into yeah. a plate. Yeah. And then you flip that plate or you know you put the skillet upside down and then you flip the entire thing okay you get it you see what i'm saying yeah i think so i think so the weird thing is you and i have visuals you and i can see each other yeah. through the computer and you're still not getting it no, how bad really. am i at explaining things then then i've lost our listeners which i apologize okay. for or they understand basic cooking techniques and hopefully they haven't been Completely bewildered like the way you have. I live in a frittata world. So when you take me over to your omelet side of the fence, I need I need my hand to be held and I need to be sort of like, you know, uh, omelet for dummies, I guess is what I'm saying. Okay. Well, this one's going to blow your mind, okay. buddy. Have you ever had a Thai omelet? Listen, you just have to say the word Thai and I'm already lying on a beach waiting to be waiting to be presented with the most beautiful thing i anything thai i'm on board with so please okay please. so listen you gotta it's called kai jiao and kai jiao is uh kai jiao is like uh dude it's not for breakfast only it by no means is it you know i, I don't know how much you know about east asian cooking i used to run a malaysian restaurant eggs are just anywhere and everywhere you can add an egg to your rice you can add a, an egg on top of a curry you can add it on top of a noodles eggs are this incredible a hugely versatile dish which you know as a person who's grown up in the west you go it takes you a while to go well i thought for breakfast this is the only time but i'm willing to open my mind and think brunch also it's any time it's always there for a snack. It's added to stir fry. Uh, sorry, yeah, yeah, stir fried noodles. It's added to stir fry rice, stir fries. It is everywhere, and uh, and and so the this kajau they they say that it's like the macaroni and cheese of Thailand. It, it is it. comfort food. Love it. But you are putting a lot of oil on a high heat into a pan or a wok. Okay. Okay. So you are. I mean, look. Let's say it's two eggs. You're adding at least a quarter cup of oil oh wow vegetable oil yeah if not a half cup of oil so 
you know, this is the Thai way, you know, sure. in that, Listen. in that, in that egg mi- mixture also, you have something, um, some kind of acid, a little vinegar or, or lime juice. You also have, um, fish sauce in there. And then to crisp it up, sometimes they'll use uh, rice flour or cornstarch as well. Right. So that's all mixed in there. And then into this high heat that is just a starting to smoke, very high heat oil, you pour from a high height, like from a foot or higher into the pan. Why do you do that, Marco? Uh, so it aerates as it as it goes down? Close, buddy, okay. close. Okay. It's because you want a, a layered omelet, okay. like a, full, a kind of slightly fluffy, slightly layered omelet. And so... As you're slowly pouring from different heights, it's cooking, and then what covers it cooks, and what covers oh. that sort of cooks. So they're cooking at different temperatures and all that. So you have this different, like some crispy, some light, some fluffy, some you know, there's all these various layers of it, uh, and it's it's pretty impressive. I encourage anybody to go. So it's there's a couple of different spellings, but you could look at K A I J E O W two words Kai Jiao, uh, or you can look up I think K H A I. J-I-A-O. Anyway, you look up Thai omelet on YouTube and you'll see how they're made. And like this, this is the thing you see this made and you t- you think about French, you know, uh, the, the stuffiness of a French omelet. Sure. This is a whole other ball game, man. This is a really, really uh, exciting kind of thing. It looks like zucchini blossoms almost oh, when it's made. And um, and they taste great. So uh, those are the two I just wanted to highlight. The masala omelet from India, the desi omelet or masala omelet, and the Thai um, kaijao. You know, those are those are amazing, exciting, different things to 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 make. And then, uh, yeah, I guess a Hassan special. I don't grab know. Grab your pen, I, I, grab your paper, <laughs> write this down. I'm not putting this in the show notes for someone else exciting. to steal. You'll find it in the show exciting. notes. Don't worry. You'll find, You'll find the show it. notes. Okay. 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 Wow. But let's go, Ali. I'm excited about this. Yeah. And I know you probably think, hey, lots of cheese and this yep. and this kind of stuff. And, you know, I've definitely dabbled in those, The, you know, I, we've talked about cheese at length and our, our love for cheese, but like a, a gorgonzola Yum. or a cambozola mixed yes. into an egg. I, I love it. This is something different. Okay. okay. This is, this is, we had carrots and they were good carrots. Okay. Okay. So not the little, not the little baby carrots no, that you get in not a bag. The baby carrots, that you and serve more importantly, consume. more importantly, Marco, not a bag of carrots that tastes like wood or styrofoam. These were organic carrots. I already knew that they were sweet, but we were running very low on groceries one day. Oh, I love this. And I'm like, why has, why have I never seen carrots? In an omelet. Have you ever seen carrots never. in an omelet? I wouldn't. I would even think maybe in a quiche gone wrong. Sure, but not gone in an omelet. Is hilarious. So perfect. I'm like, I'm going to do it. What, what could be, I know they're, they have a nice sweetness to them. They have this very, very beautiful freshness to them. Nice color. Nice color. So I'm, I finally minced these carrots. I finally minced a couple of shallots, one clove of garlic, finely minced. And I sauteed the three of them in a little bit of butter, olive oil, a mix of the two. And, uh, I had chives. Yes. Barely hanging on for dear life, but I had chives. My friend, this is very French chives. so far. These are like, if you're in Provence, Absolutely. you're going to, you just reach your hand out the window and all of, of these items you're going to pull out. Sure. I mean, garlic, not that common in people's omelets. You said shallots though. 
I did say shouts, okay. but I did say clove of okay. garlic as well. I know you're scribbling uh, frenetically there. I am. Also, I, am. I know. <laughs> I see. I see your hands moving. Um, uh, frantically, not frenetically. Anyway, um, yeah, it's that's what it, it was. Carrots. It was shallots. It was a garlic clove, all sautéed. You leave some bite to the carrot. Okay. God forbid it's a mushy carrot. So you're, you you oh. mean when you say leave some bite, you mean you want it al dente? I want it crunchy. You, I want you it don't want it Absolutely. mush. You don't want to overcook no. it. Okay, got it. And now in your egg mixture, for me, it was salt, chives, a little bit of cilantro. Not whisked to the point of frothy. It didn't aerate it. Just sort of mixed around, maybe like... Uh, a, a quick rapid motion for, I'm going to say, no more than 10 seconds. Love it. With your fork in the bowl. That's the whole thing. You don't want it. You don't want it so that it looks just like a foamy mess is what you're saying. No. Just exactly. give it, just give it a, 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 yeah. a And when a you quick... aerate is when you thicken it and that's when you get those massive omelets that they right. have in restaurants. And that's not that's what not I'm the looking point. for. Well, okay. So hang on. Did you mention how you cut the carrots? Because I was scribbling and I don't know if yes, I heard finely that. Diced, finely well, so diced. Fi- so little cubes is what we're talking here. Little cubes. Okay. Exactly right. Okay. That's good to know. That's good to know. And okay. so, and the shallots also very small, Great. garlic, obviously, Perfect. you know, minced. And uh, buddy, that is it. Wow. That is it. And the sweetness of the ca- uh, carrots, the... Um, slight bite of these, you know, uh, shallots and, and garlic, the freshness of these two herbs. I was like, I'm on to something. This was a very, very good omelet. And now once you start making that enough times, you can start thinking about like, how, how do I spice this up? Uh, how do I make this perhaps creamier with some cheese? Um, do I want something, you know, saltier? Do I want crisp yeah. bacon thrown in there or something like that? But for me, that was a great base and it was, it felt like an original thing I was making. And I made I, it out of like so many things out of necessity because that's what was available in the house. But I loved it. I, I wouldn't mess with this. Carrot. I would keep it like it is in all those things you mentioned I'd have on the side. So if you want bacon, keep it as a accoutrement. If you want mm-hmm. cheese, have it on the side. This to me screams farmer's market omelet. These are yeah, all things yeah. you go to the farmer's market, you see those beautiful carrots that just came from the gr- out of the ground, different colors and whatnot. They always have shallots. They always have like herbs. You're at a farmer's market. You grab that. You come home, make a coffee. And this is the omelet. The Hassan omelet is what you have. Very nice. Yes. And also if I had had fresh basil, I really feel that this would complement both carrot and garlic flavors really, really nicely. You, you are a basil guy, man. You, you over basil stuff, man. You're all basil all the time. I respect it, but, <laughs> but I just need to call that out. It's like everything. Okay, it's like, that, you know that ice cream. You know that ice cream needs stomach. a little bit of basil. No, no. Are you having a Mars bar? Uh, you should wrap it in some basil. You know what? Half the time, I don't even think it needs basil. I say it for you to make your Italian sensibilities feel at ease. And this is what I get in return. I just can't believe it. I can't believe it. This is what I do for you. You know oh, what? Man. Screw basil. Never cared for it. I only say, I only bring it up to make you feel comfortable in this podcast. Uh, thank you. I do appreciate it. I, I really do appreciate it. This, my friend, I think this is, a, you knock this out of the park. Those are three omelets that I would have with my eyes closed. Yeah. So, so you know, all kidding aside, to the French omelet, which I give respect to, but these are omelets that are definitely, definitely like this Thai omelet you're talking about. I need, I need to consume that. I need to have that. Sure. Well, let's, I'll find a good video as well okay. of like a street hawker making these omelets. And you, it's just, it's like a late night food snack. It's street food. It's comfort food at home. It's something mom makes. It's something you learn to make when you're young. It's quintessential 
uh, as the egg is in so much uh, South Asian and Southeast Asian, particular and East Asian cuisine. Um, but it's uh, it's it's a fantastic dish that I recommend everybody give a little try to first have somebody else make it uh, who knows how to make it and then, you know, see what you think and then and work towards, you know, perfecting it yourself. There you go. And that leads me to say, if you want to see these recipes, go to our show notes. They'll be there as well. If you want to see this video or you want to see some photos that we're going to be put up, putting up, go to our social media. This podcast is delicious, whether that be on Twitter or on Instagram. And if you have an idea for our show and you want us to cover a food item, you email us at thispodcastisdelicious at gmail.com. And two things to add on that. I mean, as we've said, the omelet is so many things to so many people. Sure. Your own thoughts about your perfect omelet, your ideal omelet, uh, omelet ideas, please definitely send those to us. And also thank you for your feedback and commentary on the Bob Bloomer two-part episode. We really, I mean, absolutely legendary human being. I, I, he's not the type to let his, uh, his, his, his tires be, um, what's the word? What do you do? Squeeze, squeeze some tires. Oh, <laughs> I didn't want to uh, pump his tire, pump, pump yep, his tires sure. too much. Um, but I mean, to have him on the show, and talk about, you know, the things he's learned and experienced in his life. I mean, this is an OG in the world of food. And uh, I felt very lucky to have him on our show. And and thank you for uh, for making us feel as, as lucky as we felt to have him around. Can I just say something? So our kitchen cupboard is full of cookbooks. So we don't buy any more cookbooks because it's just full. And there's ones that we don't use, but they're there. And it's like, enough. We can't fit any more. But after the Bob Bloomer episode, I went and got his his cookbook out of the library. Flavor Bomb. Flavor Bomb. And remember how he said, read the first 80 pages. Mm. All right. So I'm smug. Everybody who listens knows this. I'm a bit of a bastard. Everyone who listens to this podcast knows it. I kind of know how to cook, and I kind of know all the basics, right? But I'm like, all right. He was a guest. The guy guy was very generous. I'm going to read the first 80 pages. Can I tell you? Those first 80 pages of Flavor Bomb, everyone should read. And then I'm going over the recipes and I'm like, this is the cookbook that needs to be in my cupboard. Not these other Moosewood BS bullshit cookbooks that I don't. I don't. I have the CEO of Moosewood lined up for next week, buddy. Come on. No, listen. I mean, there's some cookbooks that shouldn't be in there. There are some cookbooks that should be in there. And this is one that I would recommend. Take it out from your library if you're not sure. Read the first 80 pages and then just look at the pictures and what he does. And what I love about it is it's like he takes the snobbery away from dishes and says, this is what you do. Just do it. Try. Work it out. And I just love it. I just have to give him him the credit there because I'm going to buy that book, that cookbook, because it's great. Yeah. Well, great, man. He is that guy. Makes food accessible, right? It's something that we've tried to do. You have failed. I've been somewhat successful, but I try to make it look like, you know, if I can do this, you can do this. But that is Bob Bloomer's life. Like, Mm -hmm. listen, I'm just a goofy guy who likes to have fun in the kitchen, but I figured this out. You can figure it out, too. And here's how and here's how to break it down into the most easy way of understanding why this food has this reaction to this element. And he's absolutely wonderful can't say enough good things great listen i'm ready to have i'm ready to have eggs for dinner and i'm ready to try new mimosas all i can for you all right thank you for listening to this podcast is delicious until we eat and drink again we'll see you soon